0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13. We want to start by thanking our new patrons Lisa Marie Basile, Jamie Lawson, Jennifer Labou, Lisa Geisler, Brenna B., Stephanie Davis, Danielle Fandura, Sarah Lynn Farr, Kirsty C., Crystal Ontaveras, Tori, Sean Hallian, Ishmael, Liz Fitz, Megan Haley, Ariana, Allie Roundy, Lindsey Jones, Gary Gannon, Ashley Beaver's Art, Braden Nichols, Madison Keck, Reed, Kirsten Eichelman, Emily Douglas, Sin Asust, and Jenna Myers. We couldn't do this without you. Our patrons get a second episode of 13 every month delivered directly into their patron-only RSS feed. Access to a patron-only Discord server where you can chat with us and other fans of the show. Bloopers, weekly updates on the show, and more. Today is part four of our five-part September-October series. Part five will, of course, be released on Thursday, October 13th. If you don't want to wait 10 days for the finale, sign up on Patreon where the entire series is already up and ready to go. Find us at patreon.com forward slash 13pod. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show, email us at info at 13podcast.com and put the words story submission in the subject line. You can find our submission guidelines on our website, 13podcast.com. Okay, are you ready? Turn down the lights, get cozy, and now, on with the show.
1: As Youth Pastor Tom walked back toward the youth side of the building, I caught my breath. His footsteps faded down the hall. I heard some shuffling behind a nearby door. Is he gone? I'd almost forgotten that Raven ducked into the tech booth. I told her it was safe to come out. Thanks, kid. Where'd Amy go? Why do you always call me kid? You know I'm a year older than you.
2: I don't know. It just feels right. I think Amy left. She's probably still out back. I'm gonna go
1: find her. Thanks for looking out. Aren't you mad that she just left you? Raven stopped and seemed to form her thoughts for a moment.
2: This place just makes her jumpy. You know, most of the things people do don't have anything to do with anyone else. If you remember that, it makes life a lot less complicated.
1: There was a pause while I tried to put to words what I was thinking. I'm sorry about what he said. That had to be weird to listen to. People are usually exactly who you think they are.
2: Don't overthink it. Anyway, I gotta catch up with her. We still need to talk. Later, kid.
1: That night, I slept hard. There were no nightmares and I felt great the next day. After school the walk to the church was sunny and there was a cool breeze. It was a perfect day. It was starting to feel like fall. September was coming to an end and it was almost time for the walk through hell. We worked hard the last few days of the month. The sets and the hell cave were almost done with time to spare. So, at the church after school, we went back to hanging out in the youth side of the building. Everything felt great. Me and Val were getting along again. There were no new strange anomalies. Maybe all I needed was a good night's sleep. That good feeling didn't last. The next morning, I woke up to the news that another girl was missing. She was in the next town over, right on the edge of the metro. She was a senior in high school, just like me. She was working a closing shift at a fast food restaurant. She went out the back door to take the trash to the dumpster, and she never came back. The police made a new statement. They said that this latest case further proves that the Tri-City Killer is stalking his victims before abducting them. They didn't think he just happened to be in the right place at the right time to grab her on her way to the dumpster. He was waiting for her. They warned young women in particular to be on the lookout for someone following them. Someone they all of a sudden seem to encounter more often. At school, no one really talked about it anymore. Not like at the beginning of the year when it was on everyone's minds. While each new event was still shocking, you ran out of new ways to talk about it pretty quickly. One day, in between classes, I stopped into the bathroom and I heard a familiar voice behind me. Hey kid, how's your sleep? Why did she keep finding me in the bathroom? Much better, thanks. Speaking of sleep,
2: me and Amy were talking, and we want to help you with your demon problem.
1: I was skeptical.
2: Yeah? How's that? We're having a sleepover at Amy's this weekend. Just me and her. You should come too. We can talk there. Why does it have to be a whole sleepover? Can't we just do it somewhere else? There's a lot to talk about. Trust me, it's nothing sketchy. Amy didn't get to finish what she wanted to say at the church. Why can't she come find me? Her classes are on the other side of the building? Jesus Christ. Do you want her help or not? Sorry.
1: Yeah. Okay. After school, I told my mom I was invited to a sleepover at Amy's. As it turns out, Youth Pastor Tom had already called my mom and told her that he saw us together. She'd been meaning to bring it up. He told her that he was concerned about who I was hanging out with. I told my mom that Amy was interested in coming back to the church, so that's why we were talking again. She gave me a look, as if trying to figure out if I was telling the truth. Then she relented and told me I could go. I felt terrible for lying to her. And somehow, even more, I felt terrible that she believed me. All the adults in my life were concerned about me being around Amy and the Bible says to honor your mother and father, to listen to the church elders. Maybe they were on to something that I wasn't. But then again, Amy and Raven seemed to be the only people taking me seriously. Nonetheless, I was nervous about going to their sleepover. It's hard to explain, I think I was actually starting to like Raven. Amy was still standoffish, and while I don't think they were actually up to anything, I couldn't completely rule out that this was a big game to gas me up and then humiliate me. Regardless, as a Christian, you have to be careful with non-believers. That includes when you're trying to talk to them about joining the church. Even when they don't mean any harm, they just don't have the same values as you things that seemed innocent enough, the wrong kind of music or movies, that could lead to impure thoughts, or worse, normalizing the idea of sex before marriage. Or, more specifically in my case, the little games I played in Amy's basement all those years ago. Light as a feather, stiff as a board, Bloody Mary, trying to talk to the dead, That can open the door to all kinds of awful spirits and demons. So I needed to know just as much as they did about all things satanic. I don't know what they're planning, a seance or their own weird version of an exorcism. I had to know what to look out for. I couldn't agree to do anything that would make me a participant in something evil. We didn't have internet yet at my house so the church library was where I was going to learn it. I waited until most of the other youth group kids were gone, and then I broke away from the group. I made my way over to the old side of the building where the church library was located. It wasn't much, basically just another Sunday school room with a couple of old donated couches and a few bookshelves. There was a rolling cart with a TV and VCR on it, like the ones at school. The sun was starting to get low in the sky, so the lighting wasn't great. There were motes of dust in the air, and the room smelled of old books that had been behind a closed door for too long. One bookshelf was full of VHS tapes. Everything else was books that had been donated from church members. At least half of them were Christian adaptations of popular self-help books. There was a fiction section with the left-behind books and other Christian literature from the last 20 years. And then, I found what I was looking for. A single shelf in one bookcase devoted to spiritual warfare. I picked up the first book on the shelf and leafed through it. Then the next. Everything about what to do to avoid demonic influence. Nothing about what to do once you have it. I remembered what Amy said. It's about control. There's nothing about how to fix it because it isn't real. It's just about controlling you. I shook the thought away. These books were no help. I leaned back on the big couch in the far wall of the room. I allowed my shoulders to relax, and I took some deep breaths. I didn't want to turn on the overhead lights and draw attention to myself, should Youth Pastor Tom or anyone look down the hallway. The light coming through the window wasn't great, but it was enough. I don't know what happened next. I must have closed my eyes and dozed off, but I suddenly had the feeling that I was being watched. I was suddenly very aware of my surroundings. When I opened my eyes, it was dark. Not completely dark, but more so than when I'd closed my eyes. How long had I been asleep? My heart started pounding and my adrenaline was racing. Before I closed my eyes, I'd been able to hear the faint sounds of the other youth group kids down the long hall and around the corner in the youth wing. But now, it was silent. Well, not quite silent. The room felt different. The rolling cart with the TV and VCR felt looming and menacing. It cast a shadow on the far wall. A fear welled up in my chest. Was I alone in the building? Or even worse, had my friends gone home and something else is in here with me? I was frozen to the couch. I was only a few feet from the open door. I saw images of the figure from my nightmares roaming the dark halls of the church, as though stalking me. I heard something else. Someone was out there. The combination of my still groggy eyes and the flood of adrenaline made the shadows in the hallway appear to swirl. I took stock of the nearest exits. Could I get to them fast enough? And then what? I run screaming into the night? I looked out the window. It faced the street. It was quiet. No one outside mowing the yard or sitting on their porches. A blue car parked on the curb. In that moment, the streetlights clicked on. There was no one out there to help. I turned back to the room. I could see the reflection of the window in the dark TV screen. I was hyper-focused, I don't know why. But as my heart sped up, and as the panic started to take over, I couldn't look away from the screen. And just when I thought I might pass out, and the edges of my vision went red, the TV screen cracked. I stood up on instinct. The couch squeaked loud as I moved. If there was someone or something out there, it knew I was here. I was unsteady on my feet. I may not be able to run, but whatever it was out there, whatever was about to happen to me, I was going to meet it standing up. Hello? It was Val. My legs almost gave out underneath me. The lights came on in the hallway. Harsh, fluorescent light came pouring in the open doorway. I didn't realize it, but I'd been hyperventilating. I was sobbing uncontrollably. Urgent footsteps were coming toward me. I could hear more than one person. A moment later, Val and Cam came rushing into the church library. Hey, what are you doing over here? Everyone's gone. I tried to say something. To tell them I'd fallen asleep. But I couldn't compose myself long enough to make any sense. Cam looked at Val, and then me.
0: We were worried. We didn't see you leave, and we couldn't find you.
1: I was so embarrassed. Tears were pouring down my cheeks. I'd cried in front of Valerie a million times, but never in front of Cam. Just like that, my anxious nights were back, terrible dreams, that awful dread before looking into a mirror. The week dragged by, and then it was Friday, the day of the sleepover. Amy saw me across the cafeteria at lunch and held eye contact for a moment, giving me a little nod of acknowledgement. It occurred to me that I hadn't even talked to her about her own sleepover. I'd only talked to Raven. That little nod was all I needed. That evening, I packed a bag with a change of clothes, some pajamas, and a few things from the bathroom. At around sunset, I stepped out my front door and my mom watched as I walked down the street to Amy's. It was clear that Amy's mom was just as confused about the sleepover as my mom had been. She was friendly and kind, the way I remember her, but I could sense it in her body language, suspicion. The house was different too. Since her dad had moved out, the furniture had changed. Amy had made the basement, which used to be the big family room, into her own space. She'd moved her bedroom down there, And the big common room was her own kind of living room even though everything had changed i could still imagine the space as it was honestly it felt less awkward than i'd expected it to but i was still on edge i was glad when amy asked if we wanted to go outside and use the fire pit in the backyard there was a tall wooden privacy fence which made the yard feel safe It also meant that with us being outside, Amy's mom wouldn't overhear us so easily. It only took a few minutes to get a small fire started, and then we sat around and no one really said anything. I guess no one was sure how to bring up why we were all there. Finally, I broke the tension. So, I never got a chance to tell you all about what's been happening to me. We didn't have time when we were walking to school and last week at church. It sounds so stupid when I say it out loud. Raven took advantage of the silence and jumped in. We've actually got something to tell you, too. Amy spoke up next. Why don't you go first? I took a breath and let my guard down. I hoped I wouldn't regret it. They listened as I started from the beginning. Those nights in the sixth grade when we watched the craft in Amy's basement. Amy knows all of this, but I didn't know how much Raven knew. Based on her uncritical and slightly bored expression, I assumed she knew it all. I talked about getting caught. About the emergency meeting that our parents put together with the church leaders. Amy rolled her eyes when I mentioned this part but I got the impression that it was less directed at me and more toward the adults who were there that night. I didn't expect to get emotional, but when I talked about that night, about how the adults said they felt the Holy Spirit working as they prayed, how the other girls, Amy included, said they felt healed and cleansed from evil, and how I told them that I felt it too, but I lied. I didn't feel anything. I thought for a long time that maybe you didn't have to feel something. Maybe it affected people differently. Or maybe I wasn't the only one who lied. But no one ever said anything and we never talked about it again. After a while, I more or less forgot about it. Until this year. When I started talking about what had happened in the last few months, particularly that I could control smoke, Amy and Raven seemed to perk up. They hadn't been rude or dismissive, but they also didn't seem particularly interested until then. I told them I'd started seeing faces and mirrors over the summer, and that I was having these nightmares and visions. At first, someone lurking around the church in the dead of night, and then later, they became visions of that figure killing Valerie. They gave each other a look, I had a feeling that if they hadn't been taking me seriously before, they were now.
3: You know that none of this is real, right? The demons and the prayers are both make-believe?
1: I was taken back. I thought they were both into satanic stuff. Worshipping the devil and summoning demons. That's the whole reason I told them. You don't believe in the devil? No,
3: I don't. Didn't you feel something that night, though? Yeah, of course I did. When you grow up like we did, you're primed to believe in magic. And I believed in magic back then. And everyone we looked up to was giving us all this attention, even...
1: She trailed off there and Raven jumped in. Amy doesn't believe in anything.
2: I'm the one you want to talk to about anything spiritual. But this is pretty witchy, Caitlin. Isn't witchcraft the same as devil worship? No, it's something completely different. There's no god or devil. More like natural powers from the earth that you learn to harness. It's not inherently good
1: or bad. It's all about what you do with it. It was hard for me to imagine a belief system that was outside the Bible. I understood devil worship because it was still rooted in the Bible. It had the same cast of characters that I already knew. I wasn't exactly following what she was talking about, but I tried to keep up.
2: It sounds like you've stumbled on a way to harness some kind of power, or maybe it's coming to you as you're like growing up. That happens sometimes in the movies.
1: I was still trying to process what Raven said when Amy spoke up.
3: I think there's another explanation to what's been going on, at least some of it. I know you're going to get defensive about this, but please, hear me out. Okay. Okay. There's this thing my therapist told me about, it happens when you push down emotions or thoughts that you don't like, but they're so intense, they start to work their way out. Okay. I think you know who the Tri-City Killer is. And I think I know who it is too, and I think that's why all these things are happening to you. She hesitated for a
1: long time. It was a moment before I realized what was happening. She was expecting me to put some piece together. I'm sorry, I'm not following. Amy and Raven looked at each other, and then back at me. It's Youth Pastor Tom. I think he's the Tri-City Killer. I rolled my eyes so hard it almost hurt. I want you to look at something. She pulled out
3: a clear plastic bin with what looked like newspaper cutouts. I've been working on this. He strikes about once a month and it usually happens on a Sunday night, right after youth group is over. And you are the victims? It's girls the same age as us. And. I know you know how creepy he can be. She was right when she assumed that I would get defensive.
1: I didn't like it when he talked about my clothes or lectured me about boys, but that didn't make him a murderer. Amy had been gone for too long. She didn't know what she was talking about. I felt heat in my cheeks, and it wasn't coming from the fire.
3: They're always from towns right around us, but never here. That means he probably lives here and he can't take anyone here because he's too recognizable. Someone would remember him or his car in the area near the crime scene. In towns around us, he's just some guy. Remember the second girl? She got out of her car in the middle of a country road and someone took her? You have to be able to gain people's trust. Who's better at that than he is? I wasn't convinced, not even remotely. If he holds to this pattern, the next time he kills will be during the walk through hell, and I think he'll do it there whether he likes it or not. The urge will get to a boiling point by then, he won't be able to help himself, and he'll be surrounded by his victim type, high school girls. He hates them, you can tell the way he talks to them, the way he talks to you. Raven jumped in before I could open my mouth and let
2: loose. Okay. What we're saying is, is that we want to tag along at the walk through hell. If we're wrong and nothing happens, then we're wrong. No big deal. We'll all go our separate ways. But if we're right, if we're right, you help catch a serial killer.
3: Amy jumped back in. And while we're there, we can learn more about your powers or whatever. Maybe they're just in your head or maybe you've accidentally tapped into some earth power. Or you're right, and there really is a demon stalking you. One way or another, don't you think the walk through hell is a dangerous place for you to be alone without anyone on your side? If anything will trigger your demon, it's the walk through hell.
1: I didn't answer. My head was spinning.
3: I know it's a lot. Just think it over. Let us tag along and watch the church. Think of us as spiritual bodyguards. And while we're there, we'll work on our thing. Everyone wins. What happened back then? What changed for you? Amy and Raven looked at each other again. Just trust me. I had to go to counseling with youth pastor Tom and Mrs. Hart after the whole thing happened. Just trust me. He's a creep. She is too. Is that why you gave up on church? No, it was already happening. Everything that happened, it just confirmed that I was already going in the right direction. Then what was it? Why did you leave? Look, don't take this the wrong way. It just felt like growing up. Here. She handed me the box with the newspaper clippings. Just look this over. Look at their pictures. You look just like them. If he is the killer, he's definitely got you on his radar.
1: Amy handed me the tote with all the newspaper clippings, and then she and Raven walked out into the backyard to give me some space. The newspaper clippings weren't exactly in order. There was a lot more about the third victim and onward. In the 90s, you got a newspaper, and when you were done, you threw that newspaper out, and it was gone forever. She hadn't started making connections with the first two. She may not have even heard about them until he was declared a serial killer and given a name. But after he was named a serial killer, all the Tri-City papers started running articles on all of the girls as a group. And that's when I noticed what Amy was talking about. I'd heard about all the girls that had gone missing. I knew their names. I knew how it happened. I'd heard all the rumors about what he did to them. But I'd never really seen their faces. It's a cliche to say that serial killers have a type, but it's not particularly accurate. Not in most cases. This guy though, he had a type. And Amy was right, they all looked like me. Amy and Raven were still across the yard talking and smoking. It wasn't just that these girls looked like me. I knew their faces, even though I didn't watch the news or look at the papers. I knew them because I'd been seeing them in the mirror ever since the summer. It hadn't been a strange, distorted version of my own face. It was a blend of theirs and mine. I felt my adrenaline racing and my muscles tighten up. I was breathing heavy. My vision was going red. I think I was starting to have a panic attack.
2: Holy shit! What? Oh my god!
1: The adrenaline pumping through my body caused my arms to tremor. I pushed the newspaper clippings away from me. I couldn't look at them without the panic getting worse. I remembered the first night after I heard about the Tri-City Killer. Thinking about Cam. Touching myself. The power going out. And then alone in my bathroom lit by candlelight. The face of the third girl looking back at me the church bathroom after what happened with Cam. I saw their faces when they went missing, and again when they were found. The timeline fit every single time. No fucking way. Amy and Raven were looking at me. No, they were looking above me. I followed their gaze, and then I saw it. The smoke from the fire pit had gathered about ten feet above me. It was like it hit an invisible ceiling, and it was pooling up in a flat disc over my head. I finally found my ability to move, and I scrambled to my feet and ran toward them. This can't be real! You believe me, don't you? You see it? I'm not making it up! You see it, right? You believe me, right? Tell me you see it. Tell me you see it. When my panic attack faded, whatever held on to the smoke slowly loosened its grip. I was exhausted. Back in Amy's basement, she and Raven paced back and forth. They were manic. Talking over and past me while I laid back on the couch. Obviously, they'd been wrong about this all being in my head. There was something unnatural going on with me. But Amy was even more convinced that it was happening because I knew the truth about youth pastor Tom, and all of my pent up emotions and denial were driving it. She wasn't going to be convinced of anything else. They spent the night planning. Amy insisted that she be there every night of the walk through hell. She wanted to be sure of his whereabouts the whole time. They would wait in the parking lot if they had to. But if I could get them in and hide them somewhere near the walk through hell, that would be best. I just agreed to everything. I was so exhausted, I couldn't think straight. Amy insisted that I check in with them between every show to make sure I was safe and help her keep an eye on all the youth group girls. Somewhere in the middle of all of this, I fell asleep and I was out for the night. Two days later, Sunday night at youth group, we did the final rehearsals for the walk through hell. The kids with speaking roles ran through the scenes one last time. Those of us stationed in the Hell Cave got to walk through with all of the sound and lights for the first time. It looked great. It sounded great. I hung out with Val and Cam and a few others that night, but I couldn't stop thinking about the sleepover at Amy's, the plan we'd made. I looked around the room. I had a secret I could never tell anyone here. That had never happened to me before. These had always been my people. I didn't know how I felt about it. Whether I liked it or not, the walk through hell would begin the first Thursday night of October. Four more days.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13. If you like what you heard, stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This was The Fall of 98, Part 4. Tell Me You Believe Me. Written by me, Ian Epperson. Narrated by Brooke Jeanette. Val was Shelby Scott. Raven was Elle Woolry. Amy is Kayla Temshiv. Music, editing, and sound design by Caleb Ritchie with a major assist from Josiah Knight and Bridget Howard. Our producer level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Paul Doyle, Amy Harper, Delta Tango, Jackie Kay, Taylor Crabb, Chantel Payne, Nick, and Emily Douglas. Thank you so much for your support. Our patrons get access to an exclusive discord channel to chat with the creators and a second monthly reading merch, bloopers, behind-the-scenes content, and weekly updates on the show. We're on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at some version of 13Pod or Pod13. Just look for the logo. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show or contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. Bridget Howard is looking back at you from the mirror. Thanks for listening, and see you on October 13th.